Miracy. I think most people start in a vacuum because there's this, you know, impression that the first thing you do is build your website, right? Which is like one of the hardest things to write in a vacuum because you don't know what you do until you're doing it. Hello and welcome to Blowing Up, the podcast that shows entrepreneurs like you how other businesses exploded in the best possible way. I'm Linda Claire Puig, the founder and CEO of Six Figure Newsletters, and I'm here with my co-host, Ari Eni, the head of strategy for the ACES Business Acceleration Program at Mericy. Hey there, Linda. In each episode of Blowing Up, we showcase an entrepreneur whose business, yes, blew up. It experienced what seemed to be a sudden success, but as we all know, that kind of success is not random or a fluke. The company employed a specific strategy that caused its rapid rise in revenue. So today we're going to dive into that strategy so that you can learn from it and determine how you might apply elements of it to your business. In this episode, we explore writing copy, one of the most important parts of your sales process. That's because copy creates connection and connection creates conversions. We're going to look at how to get the precise words and phrases that will convert potential clients to actual clients and students. Our guest is Ryan Schwartz, a launch strategist and the copywriting genius behind lots of multi-million dollar sales pages. He's also the founder of the Coaching the Conversion Method, a faster, more natural and intuitive framework for crafting launch and funnel copy that connects deeply with your prospects and coaches them into being the perfect buyer. Welcome to Ryan, and let's jump right into the conversation. I've supported all these big launches and all these coach creators in writing great copy without having to write a word of copy, right? Which is kind of that C word that dreads up a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of overwhelm around what that means. I kind of had my own aha moment a good six or seven years ago. I think it was around 2015. I became a little less concerned with general avatars and more concerned with the actual people who have said yes to your offer and who have had to undergo a series of transformation insights, ahas, belief shifts to get there, right? So I started hanging out in that environment, auditing those and mapping what I was hearing on those calls to my copy. Typically on an enrollment conversation, you know, the classic question, so what brought you to this call today, right? The pain language, the problem language you're going to get when you unpack that question maps out perfectly to certain specific sections of your sales page, certain sections of your pre-launch campaigns. Very cool. I love that. I tell my students all the time, you know, the language that goes in your promotional emails, the language that goes on your landing pages, et cetera, like that needs to be your client's language. Real language. What, what do they say to you? How do they describe themselves? Yeah. Right. And for me, for writing to come alive, right, you need to feel like you're writing to solve a problem. I am trying to get someone to undergo a transformation, a transformation of belief, a transformation of feeling like they can succeed in something, a transformation in acknowledging that they had certain problems, right? So that's where my copy and my writing and my style became far more relational. And then from there, I just wrote for so many launches. I was saying yes to every project possible, 
because I went into mad scientist mode. I was starting to enjoy the process because I enjoyed the innovation within it that was possible. You know, I never had this crazy intention of blowing up my copywriting Mm -hmm. business, right? It just really happened organically where you write one multi-six or seven-figure launch and you get whispered about in masterminds. And next thing you know, people are trying to track you down. And that's literally how I was getting found. I didn't have a website. I wasn't using my social (laughs) media to market myself. And they'd send their Uh, project managers on internet-wide manhunts trying to track me down. That's Um, great. And sometimes would succeed. So I knew that it was resonating. I knew that it was getting results. It was important for me to test out these theories in as wide of a context as possible across as many product types and audience types as Mm -hmm. possible to really feel like I was onto something. I'd say by 2015, 2016, it felt like I was really onto something. I took the beta, turned it into a course called 10X Launches, which has been running ever since about 4,000 students up to now and Mm -hmm. is still enrolling people right now to this day. Today, if someone wants to get started, what do they need to have? Like, is it just as you said, a bunch of recordings of their enrollment conversations succeeded? The first thing I would do, right, is start recording your enrollment calls. I mean, for no other reason than to improve your sales process, right? You should be doing that inherently to get better at sales. Next thing I would do to really simplify it, because no one's going to audit all their calls, even if I recommend they do it, have a coloring system, a red, yellow, green. The greens are your must ones. These are totally representative of your customer avatar, the people you love working with. Make that non-negotiable that you audit those. I'd say have a fairly similar call framework that you have call by call, right? So that you know Mm. section one will typically yield a certain type of response. Mm. A lot of my templates will have something called a moment of highest tension, which is pain, but in its vivid three-dimensional way. It's an actual scene. So the way I like to exemplify that is, you know, being late on your business taxes is a problem, right? That a lot of people can relate to. But what really jumps off on the page in your copy is the moment where that flares up. That's where you get the call from the IRS or the Canadian Revenue Agency you hear them introduce themselves. It's so-and-so from the CRA. Are you the owner of this Go. business? And your stomach drops. It's the stomach drop moment where the flare-up of the problem that you've ignored just explodes and you would do anything to solve it, right? You would have done anything to preemptively solve it. So that's what I like to go for in coaching pain recognition in my copy. So moment of highest tension, look for that on your sales calls. What questions are you asking consistently on your enrollment calls that would yield that kind of response? It's very simple. Walk me through what was going on that motivated you to jump on this call today. So have certain questions that would map onto certain very core foundational elements of your copy. Moment of highest tension probably being the core one. Moment of highest pleasure or redemption being the other one, right? What would success look like? Just get in the habit of every time you audit a sales call, track for and write down that pain language, right? Write down that moment of highest pleasure. Write down the false beliefs that are preventing them from having seen that or achieved that. Write down the questions they're asking about your offer. That maps Uh onto your FAQ on your Mm -hmm, sales page. mm -hmm. So map those things out and you'll never run out of things to say in your launch copy, right? Regardless of what frameworks you take or further training you take, you'll never run out of true knowledge of the people who are saying yes to your offer and the transformations they've had to undergo to get there. And 
To what extent do you look at the people who you know, are good fits, so they're your ideal client, but they end up saying no? Do you want to be reviewing that as well for what not to do in the copy? Certainly. I mean, I review those primarily from a sales coaching standpoint, right? You know, where was the disconnect? What was not communicated or what didn't land the way it needed to for them to get to that yes? And that will often yield ideas of how I could strengthen the copy. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs, as they're starting out, you know, their first instinct is I need to write a bunch of copy so that people know what I'm talking about before actually talking to people. But it sounds like what you're advocating for is no, no, in order to know what to write, you need to first talk to people. Am I getting that correct? Yeah. I mean, a conversion is a relationship, right? So the data that informs it has to be equally relational. And that's really the simplest way I could put it. Do you advocate for business owners at least once creating all their own copy for a launch? Or are you cool with people hiring a copywriter anytime? Yes. I mean, I used to be a very strong proponent of recommending that entrepreneurs and course creators write their own copy up until the point where they literally can't, when they're so overstretched that they can. And even then I would question that just based on how valuable of a task it is, right? When you look at the model of $10 tasks, $100 tasks, $1,000 tasks, like copywriting might not be a $1,000 per hour task, but it could be, right? And it could be instrumental in getting you there. I also have trouble with entrepreneurs prematurely outsourcing their relationship with their list. I think that is problematic. Um, there are certainly exceptions. I can accept and entertain scenarios where people just really, really, really struggle with it, right? And they're not going to get traction without getting some immediate help, right? And mentorship isn't necessarily it. They just need someone to give them some initial traction and some initial sales and get them in the game. But to me, you can't outsource that relationship prematurely. All the best entrepreneurs I've worked with were already well into the seven-figure mark when they hired me, right? So I'd say in most cases, in 95% of cases, unless it's just really something you struggle with, take the time to learn it well enough. Looking back at my own trajectory, I, I just feel like I learned so much about my audience and about my industry and about the business of running a business. And it just felt like a really important thing to do and learn, even though there were times when it was just pull out your hair maddening. Mm, for sure. I mean, the other important thing to acknowledge is like copywriting doesn't exist in a silo, right? It is an entire ecosystem that encompasses your offer creation, that encompasses your sales process. So it's not this isolated skill or this isolated task that you get to outsource, right? It is really encompassing so many of the things that make an offer successful. For people who are new to copywriting, where would you recommend that they start? Is it a sales page? Is it a launch sequence? How would you recommend that they start gaining that mastery? Yeah, that's an awesome question. Like start getting into regular cadence of writing period, right? Whether it's on your social, whether it's on your email list, even if it's a small email list, get in that cadence of writing and communicating. Mm -hmm. Get in the cadence of being on as many conversations as you can, of coaching, of helping, of understanding the actual problems that are coming up. If I was teaching course creators how to start their first course, 
my first step would be to be in those conversations, to coach people and hear them say, like, I'm just so overwhelmed. I have all these things in my Google Docs and I don't know how to put it together, right? Boom. Now I have a message and an email. Subject line, my course is living in 56,000 words on a Google Doc. And then I unpack everything I just heard and solve it for them on the spot. So get in the habit of writing copy in relationship to something you've just helped someone solve, something you've overheard people have as a problem, and solve problems via your copy as a starting point. That's a great recommendation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, I mean, most people do try starting in a vacuum in a way. But Mm -hmm. like, talk to your people. (laughs) For sure. I think most people start in a vacuum because there's this, you know, impression that the first thing you do is build your website, right? Which is like one of the hardest things to write in a vacuum because you don't know what you do until you're doing it. You're kind of making it all up. Yeah. You're totally making it all up. And when you're making things up, you struggle because you have to be a writer at that point, (laughs) not someone who is actually in your zone as a coach, as a course creator, as an expert. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on leading people towards a transformation. I want to sort of take you back to some of this aha time. At what point did you say to yourself, I have made it, I am here, I've arrived, I've done my work and I'm here? You know, I don't think I ever until very recently felt like I had made it, right? And part of that is like the lingering trauma of being an unemployed broke screenwriter for literally almost my entire 20s, right? Oh. <laughs> I'd say the first time when I really felt like this was viable was when my son was born in 2017. And I was able to endure many of those like grueling first few months of being underslept without anything breaking. At that point, I'm like, okay, I have separated myself from a time for money trap. Wow. My value to the world goes beyond me writing. It goes beyond me being in the room with somebody. And it gives me the ability to be present for all these other arenas of my life. So I'd say that's where I felt, not necessarily that I made it, but that I've landed somewhere I've wanted to be. So it sounds like a lot changed for you from in your 20s. Could you describe where you are now as a contrast? Jeez, where to begin on that? I was actually just polishing one of my old email addresses yesterday, cleaning up all my digital thumbprints. And I was looking at an email account that I hadn't used since 2011. And I used to send like journal entries to myself, right? So I actually have a very fresh glimpse of what it was like in my 20s. But there is so much simmering frustration and so much perceived injustice. And I, I hear this from a lot of entrepreneurs where like, there are a lot of really intelligent, ambitious people whose reality has yet to catch up to the brilliance they have. And that's a really difficult place to be in. Like I was ambitious in my twenties. I was living in my mom's basement, but I wasn't the typical living in your mom's basement kind of guy. And it was really important for me to demonstrate that to the world. That really sucked in my twenties and caused a lot of insecurity and a lot of what I call dirty fuel to succeed, right? Where you're almost willing to burn yourself out just to prove to yourself that you don't suck and that you're not a perpetual failure. A lot of it came from a place of ego and identity of just not being able to see myself there. So the biggest thing that has changed, you know, I'm 37 now. So it's been 10 years of being financially in a better and better place 
beyond the financial growth, it's really been kind of the peace and the relaxedness that has come with it. So let's talk. Let me first start by acknowledging that copywriting, that's writing to sell and persuade, can seem really hard, can be hard. But Ryan showed us how copywriting can be easier. And it starts in a way that makes a ton of sense by recording the enrollment calls, aka the sales calls, that you have. And then you audit those calls. You're looking for things like the moment of highest tension, the moment of highest pleasure or redemption, false beliefs, questions. So the words and phrases and scenes that you find then go into your sales copy as you tell the story of the journey from pain to pleasure through working with you. Thank you so much to Ryan for all of his insight. And be sure to get Ryan's gift to you, six-figure emails, a premium email template pack. This is an awesome gift. You get access to six of Ryan's highest converting email templates pulled straight from top performing funnels and launches, plus six mini masterclasses breaking down the psychology behind each of them. You'll find it at blowingup.rocks forward slash Ryan. That's blowingup.rocks forward slash Ryan. This episode of Blowing Up was produced by Linda Claire Puig. Cynthia Lamb is our managing producer and Danny Eni, our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. To make sure you catch all the really great episodes of Blowing Up, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, we'd love it if you could leave us a starred review or share the show with a friend. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. I certainly am willing to admit what I don't know. I tend to hold my truths lightly. I try not to have, you know, very firm convictions because I recognize that when you move up an organization, your information is limited because you have a greater breadth of responsibility. I'm Sharon Richmond. I'm an executive coach and consultant with more than 30 years experience working with C-level executives. To Lead as Human is the podcast for you if you want to supercharge your leadership by bringing all of yourself into your role. Listen as our guests reveal their hard-won lessons and share their deep humanity. I think the turning point for me was when I realized that I want people to tell me what they think and they're afraid they were honest to god afraid to tell me things it's like i checked all the damn boxes but i am so alone and i'm so unhappy i'm burning myself out
And when I started looking at like, you know, my fears going into the shadows, sharing it with others, the very thing that would be a nightmare for most people in the workplace is the very thing that led me to my dreams. My guests know that the influence they have as top leaders comes with an equal measure of responsibility for all their stakeholders. They not only deliver great results for their customers and investors, they do so by building organizations that provide purpose, meaning, and a healthy work environment for their employees. One of the hallmarks of good leadership is clarity. If there isn't clarity around the goals, that creates confusion, that, that creates chaos. What's the end goal? What are we trying to achieve? And that makes people's jobs more purposeful and people are clearly enjoying that. People who are making their own decisions, they're significantly more motivated in doing what they're doing. Yeah, I've really seen the maturity and growth of those individuals. And I think that we've now kind of really been able to create a lot of autonomy and give people a lot of freedom to do their best work. So not rocket science, nothing too crazy, but uh, you know, that was definitely a journey. I hope you'll join us every other week as we talk with these inspiring leaders and learn from the very human challenges and successes they've experienced on their own leadership journeys. And you asked me questions that I was like, gosh, I'm not sure I know what my values are. So I know they're there, but I'm not sure that they're articulated. So thanks for asking me those questions. They were hard.